Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I am your host. My name is Steve, and my co-host is Kyle. Say hello, Kyle. Hello, everyone. And this week, because I am actually not in my usual location of somewhere in southwest Ohio, I am down here uh, currently in the Finding Nemo suite at Walt Disney World. The, the, the Finding Nemo suite is actually part of the Art of, an Art of Animation Resort. And if you've ever been to Disney, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never been to Disney, well, you should look it up because then you know what I'm talking about. But because I am in Florida, we decided we we're going to talk about Florida wrestling this week. Because we normally we would do the, the top ten list. This is the week for that. But we were having some trouble trying to really find a top ten from Florida. Would it be top ten wrestlers? Or would it be top ten territories or top ten events? Or what else were we trying to think of, Kyle? And we really couldn't narrow anything down. No, there's so much to talk about in Florida, you can't just choose one. Yeah, and I mean, that tells you right there. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't figure it out, and it's not like we're dumb. And we were trying to come down with it. So we said, you know, we'll just talk about Florida. And, you know, uh, before we get started, though, I am going to go ahead and give our, our contact and listening info. Um, if you want to call in during the live broadcast, which we definitely encourage, it's area code 319-527-6089. If you want to email us, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash armchairbookingpodcast. On Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And, of course, on Block Talk Radio Live or in the archives, uh, like you might be doing right this second. And also, before I push, oh, actually, Kyle, did I miss any other contact information? No, I think you covered covered everything. Okay, and right now we are still uh, trying to give a, a big boost to the GoFundMe fundraiser for Mean Selena Dean's mother. Uh, her mom is is trying to raise money for her medical bills because she's fighting breast cancer, and you can find that at GoFundMe.com, and just search for the Best Mom Fund Fu Cancer, and you should be able to to navigate to it in order to donate. And I really wish people would donate more to this because this is certainly a worthy cause. If you can't find it for some reason, just certainly let myself or Kyle know, and we will hook you up with the link to it. We can give you a direct link, and if you uh, go to well, the Facebook page, or if you go to right here on Block Talk Radio, you can also find the link as well. So, Kyle, you got anything to add to that? No, we definitely encourage donating to the Selena Dean's mom. Uh, also throwing out another shout-out to the Jordan Garber podcast. Oh, absolutely. He had a pretty good episode Friday. And because of me traveling, you know what, I haven't even had a chance to listen to it uh, yet, and that's actually all my to-do list because I like listening to Jordan's podcast. He is definitely a good podcaster. I'll just put it like that. He knows his stuff, 
Um, he knows how to interview people. He's uh, very versatile, even though his main passion is wrestling. He also does have some non-wrestling personalities on there as well. And he has been gracious enough to give us a boost. He's interviewed me. He's actually came on our podcast last week. And I thought that was a pretty good show. And, you know, I always got to give my, my props out to Jordan. He's been a great friend, friend of our show. So, Kyle, what can we say about Florida? Well, if we really look at it uh, objectively, Florida is the epicenter of wrestling right now. It truly is, including right down the road from where I am right now. And it is so unfortunate there there can't have any live audiences. Actually, you know what? I I I need to correct myself. I believe they moved the Thunderdome to Tampa. It is not in Orlando because they were getting ready to use the Amway Center for basketball. And so, so the, I know building the Thunderdome in Tampa. I'm not sure where they're at right now. But I know hmm. basketball starts here in a couple weeks. All right. Personally, I'd rather watch wrestling. That's just me. I'm, I'm a big college basketball fan. I just I feel like that. I've always been more of a college basketball guy. That comes from just, you know, living, growing up in, in mostly in North Carolina and, of course, later on in Kentucky. But that's another story for another day. But oh, overall, uh, wrestling-wise, we we can go so many different places. It's hard to just pick a place to start. So you're in Orlando. The easiest thing to talk about is the NXT developmental program right now. Yes, which I am for it, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm glad they actually have something like that, something where they can develop their own uh, talent. Sometimes they do get talent that has already started, already debuted on the independent wrestling scene, and or they may have been in Ring of Honor, or some of them may have even been in Impact, and they just need a little bit of polishing when they came to the WWE, and so they ran him through NXT. Uh, but before it was NXT, it was Florida Championship Wrestling. So and, NXT to me kind of gets right what WWE is getting wrong right now. One, they're doing character development good at that since NXT was created. Their their matches and their show being two hours, I, I do think it flows better. And one area of improvement, I think we talked about this last week, is the selling. Yes, the the NXT shows, they kind of remind me of some of the old school shows. But, yeah, um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Kyle. There's, 
there's a comparison with NXT and AEW because they're both on Wednesday nights. And there's so much talent on the NXT roster, they could almost do the dark show like they do with AEW on YouTube. Hmm. Like there, there's, there's definitely an abundance of riches in the NXT system. I think some guys get overlooked. And well, it makes me wonder. Some of them, it almost seems like okay, they send them up from NXT to the main roster, whether it be Raw or SmackDown. But right now, Keith Lee, who is just phenomenal, I love watching Keith. Lee. I don't know if you heard, they actually, they sent him back to NXT. Sent him and several people down to lose weight. Is that what it is? So they're calling it extra wrestling training, which Otis sort of needs. But him, Keith Lee, and I, I think there's a few others. They're being told to drop weight or they're not going to be put into the Royal, Royal Rumble. Oh, so this kind of goes into our criticism from last week. Vince McMahon likes all the wrestlers looking the same. Hmm. Well, Vince McMahon, he wants yeah, he wants big, but he doesn't want fat big. There's very few that he would let that happen with. But then again. Big Show got sent to OVW back in the day, and it was a lot of it was to lose weight. And but yet, but you you can't say that Keith Lee is not a flawless or limitless performer. Oh, Keith Lee, you know, uh, at whatever body weight he is currently performing at, Keith Lee kind of reminds me of Bam Bam Bigelow, maybe without a lot of the flying stuff, but man, he is quick. As big as what a guy he is, and he can he, he can move. But, but one thing NXT has is they have the dietitians, they have the the strength and conditioning specialists there. And hey, you're going down to learn additional wrestling or the WWE style, whatever you want to call it. And while you're there, hit the weights, clean up your diet. Whereas someone like Braun Strowman has done it all on his own. Well, Braun Strowman, he was, um, was he a power lifter? Or was he a strong man? He was a strong man. Yeah. So, uh, so he already had all that. And oh, well, strongmen don't really adhere to diet. But well, yeah, he's definitely got the weightlifting portion down. But he, it's hard to say. Um, you don't see big guys in wrestling anymore. 
Not like you did in the 80s. But one of the guys, and I don't know if he was ever really considered Steve, you're cutting out. Barely. Okay, let me kind of move my phone up. Yeah, I have kind of noticed that the signal here is not the strongest. Um, how about now? Yeah, you're better. Okay. Well, one of the things I was saying about the late great Dusty Rhodes was he really he was Florida wrestling for the longest time. It's where he started out as a heel, and then he turned face because he could cut his promos, really his, his promos really started in Florida. And when he turned on Pac Song, and I believe Gary Hart was managing Pac Song, and he turned face when there was a mix-up in the ring and they accidentally hit him. And he was already at the time, it just made sense. Well, Dusty was also working behind the scenes. He was a booker. He was the one who really pushed Kevin Sullivan. Yeah, and with Kevin Sullivan's, um, his, if you want to call it, ministry of darkness that he had, the satanic Kevin Sullivan. And, you know, really one of the first, I don't really want to call it a stable because they didn't refer to a stable, but it was his flock. But when I think Florida wrestling, I mean, this is what I first remember was coming out of Florida was Kevin Sullivan and his flock, you know, with with Nancy, you know, his um, wife at the, the time. And the Army of Darkness, thank you. With the, um, oh, my gosh, it was Mark Lewin. Yeah, Purple Haze, and, Mark Lewin. And um, there was one other guy that, that that group. Um, you had Sir Oliver Humperdinck was part of it. You had King Curtis Iakea was part of it. At one point, you had Bob Roop. I don't know. Bob Roop didn't. He wasn't with at the beginning, but I remember when he joined them because he shaved half of his head, like completely. Face, head, everything. The other half, he had like face paint on. Which I'm thinking, you know, he has to go shopping at some point. He's going to have to go out in public looking like that. But yeah, he, I mean, he literally shaved like half his beard. And I don't remember which side of it. it was, let's say it was like the right side. He shaved all the, every bit of hair off of the right side of his head, entire yeah. skull. But I was part of that Army of Darkness, and that was that was towards closer to the end of it. By that point, but yeah, it, it's it, interesting because we we both know the Army of Darkness from 
our early childhood wrestling magazine fandom. But with Eddie Graham at the helm, Florida was known for its finishes. Always had a unique finish for each main event feud. Well, Eddie Graham, from the way it was Dusty Rhodes, earned PhD in wrestling from the teachings of Eddie Graham. So that that was very um, instrumental to Florida wrestling. Uh, kind of something we talked about last week. Each feud had a winner. And quality control, each match had its own distinct finish or outcome to prolong, extend, or end a feud. Yes, and that's the way, that's the way really, your big thing is, well, they didn't have the 50-50 booking back then. It was there was always somebody who dominates. Now, somebody the other person may get that upset win after a while, and that might end the feud, maybe. But it wasn't okay. You're winning this week. I'm winning next week. You're winning this week. I'm winning next week. It was nothing like that. It was. I'm trying to think who all the. The Army of Darkness went after. They went after Dusty Rhodes. Did they have something with Lex Luger? Because the Florida Florida is also where Lex Luger started. In fact, he was Lex Luger. He was Lex Lugar. Well, Rick Steiner was down there. The Von Erichs did time down there. Rick Rude was down there with Percy Pringle. Yep, remember that one. Um, the Garvin, the Guerreros. The sheep herders, all th- all three Wyndhams did time down there. Yes, because Kendall Wyndham, when he first started, he, it was actually down in Florida. Uh, of course, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's where they were. Li- well, no, I think Kendall was still uh, being listed as being from Texas, but Barry was down in Florida at the time. Kendall joined Barry. But that Kendall was so skinny, and he was so scrawny at the time, the man could have hula hooped through a Cheerio. And, of course, he bulk, he bulked up later on. You look at him when they were doing the West Texas Rednecks later on in the last days of WCW, Kendall Wyndham had bulked up quite a bit, and he was looking more like his dad. And they had uh, somebody named Jack Hart who later on – went by the name Barry Horowitz in WWE, but I want to say his real name is Barry Horowitz. Um, I'm trying to think something. Oh, Wahoo. When when Wahoo was down there, this I thought was kind of kind of strange in a way when they were doing this. Jimmy Garvin had come up to Mid-Atlantic Wrestle. I think Jimmy Garvin had gone to Texas, and then he went from Texas to the Carolinas. He gets there, I was like, well, wait a minute. Wahoo's not even here. And he was throwing these challenges at the Wahoo McDaniel for some reason. And Wahoo, I guess that was kind of the precursor to Wahoo leaving Florida 
and coming back to the Carolinas. But that was um, that was a little different. <laughs> I just put it like that. And some of the other names that you're mentioning, like Rick Rude, and so and a lot of these, uh, I didn't have any way of watching it except for there was a weekly wrestling show that came on with that Joe Petticino was actually the creator and producer and his wife, Bonnie Blackstone was the host and they would cover territory wrestling um, from like all the different territories around the country and sometimes somewhat around the world as well. And they would actually show highlights from Florida or from Puerto Rico or from Texas or in a lot of times I wouldn't have any other way of seeing them because you just were not in the, that particular broadcast area. So I always liked what I saw out of Florida uh, and a lot of it, I think maybe because it was very comparable to mid Atlantic at the time because dusty Rhodes was still, uh, he had kind of an influence still. He had a little bit of a say so down in Florida uh, and as he was also in Mid-Atlantic, so the products were similar. Um, at the, I know at the second Starcade, I don't, I don't remember at the first one. I had to look at the card for the first one. But at the second Starcade, you actually had a match between two guys from Florida, Jesse Barr and Mike Graham. And you know, so it was a pretty influential territory. It was one that was uh, definitely in the forefront because it was part of the loop as far as the world title went. Well, with Eddie Graham being a two-time president of the NWA, the road to the title, you had to get his vote. Yeah. So both funks did time in Florida. Jack Briscoe, of course, coming from Florida. And one of the biggest box office stars ever, Hulk Hogan, started his career as a fan of the Eddie Graham Championship Wrestling from Florida. Yep. And Hulk Hogan, he got trained by Hiro Matsuda, who was another one who was kind of may say because here Matsuda actually broke Hogan's leg on purpose. You had to earn your training back then. Don't treat it like a joke. Yep. And Hogan must've thought, you know, as big as what he was, he just do what he wanted. And here Matsuda let him know, uh-uh, big boy. And of course, I mean, Hogan being from Tampa, I mean, I know he was born, he was born in Georgia, but he grew up in Tampa. And he still considers Tampa his home. You could always tell that on the Hogan Knows Best show, which if you ever got a chance to watch that, yeah, pass on that. But anyway. Um, so the next thing that you kind of have to discuss about Florida being that you're right near the lots. You know, WCW did a lot of television tapings out of the Orlando the Disney or Universal Studio backlots during yes. the Monday night. 
Yep, and that was something that I didn't realize until they had stopped doing it because I believe I may have been stationed in Japan during that whole time. But to think that they were running the shows out of Disney, you know, and what the time at the time it was the MGM Grand uh, Studios is what they called it. And now, of course, it's Hollywood Studios. But as far as a business model that went, you know, because they weren't having to pay for a lot of things. And sorry, my son's walking over here making faces at me because I'm standing over here by the window because of the cell phone reception, and my son's over here, over here mocking me, and I'm about to get football. Anyway. You know what corrects that? We call that the belt. No, I'm not, not doing champion. that. Championship belt. No, he's just being a goofball. Um, but anyway, before – all right. But to think, okay, from a business standpoint, because they weren't having to pay for a lot of things, the the ring and everything, everything was already paid for by well, Disney. And well, it was it was treated like an attraction, like one right. of the things. And they the part of the issue was, I would guess that the percentage of true wrestling fans that they were getting at these shows had to be pretty low, like very low. And the ones who were wrestling fans, when they come in, they see this, and they're, you know, especially if they were WCW fans, they might have been a little confused because they were taping some of these things months in advance. Mick Foley actually talked about that in his book. He said he knew that he and I believe it was I believe it was Kevin Sullivan at the time they were supposed to be the tag team champions. He knew they were going to lose the belts before they'd even won them because they had started doing promos with Paul Ondorf and Paul Roma as the champions. And that wasn't going to happen for another couple months. So, yeah, business standpoint, the cost was extremely low. From a realistic storyline standpoint, because they were taping the stuff so far in advance, not a good way to go. And I've never been a fan of that. I've never been a proponent of that at all. Because there's always room for disaster. There's always a potential for, ooh, we got these promos we already taped with so-and-so as a champion. Now we can't use them because so-and-so has been kicked out of the company for stabbing somebody in a hotel room in London. Right. Yeah. Yep. True story. And right. You have WCW, like one of the greatest moments in Nitro history was when the NWO attacked during a match backstage and Rey Mysterio got thrown into a mobile office like a dart. Yeah, the long dart. And and Larry Sabisco, he threw him like a dart. (laughs) People believed it so much at that point that they actually called 911 on the attack. Um, well, and also when it comes to Florida, one of the most kind of infamous moments in wrestling happened 
and nobody really understands why it happened because unfortunately one of the people involved has um, passed away. In fact, he passed away not too long after this. But when Lex Luger was in a cage match with Bruiser Brody, and then all of a sudden Brody stopped selling, and Luger didn't know what was going on. Did not want to sacrifice their character to put over a newer talent that they didn't think they deserved it. Right, and if and you... Luger, there's there's Luger a last match. Luger left for the NWA shortly after this match as well. Yep, he asked when he... Yeah, not long after that, he went to um, up to Crockett. And I mean, he was a face down there at the time when that happened. And when you, I'm pretty sure you've seen the footage from the match. And he's hitting Brody, and Brody's just standing there. So finally, the Luger he punched the referee to get himself disqualified, even though that was not the planned finish. And he jumped jumped over the cage because the cage itself was not ten foot high. The cage may may have been seven or eight foot at the most. And oh. He hightailed over that cage. Yeah, he jumped up, kind of sprung off the top rope, over the cage, gone. So he actually almost could have got himself counted out of a cage match, which is the whole, defeats the purpose of a cage match. But uh, another group that did tapings down in Florida was Impact Wrestling. They did. And that's right. They moved from Tennessee uh, in their early years, weekly pay-per-views, and went down to Florida. And some of their best matches, and I would say Kurt Angle's debut debut in Impact Wrestling came out of Florida. And And in their, their heyday where they had Samoa Joe, Kurt Angle, AJ Styles, among others, the Motor City Machine Guns, Beer Money. Um, that was all recorded, taped out of Florida. Well, who was it? Was it one of the headbangers? It was on a weekend where WrestleMania was going to be in, it was, WrestleMania was in Orlando. And, of course, Impact was also having um, a taping there as well that weekend. That because was one of the Highlanders. One of the Highlanders. Okay, I couldn't remember. I thought it was one of the Headbangers. But yeah, you're right. It was one of the Highlanders who showed up in the audience because his son wanted to go watch one of their shows. And he found himself out of a job with WWE not long after that. He forfeited his WrestleMania payday, which that was their biggest pay of the year. Um, and all I can say is that's one of the biggest brain farts I think I've ever heard of is why would you show up at your competition's uh, taping? Well, yeah, without... <laughs> why is it a big deal? Because a... I get what you're saying. I mean, but if he'd have been backstage, that's one thing. But he was part of the paying audience, like not even, you know, as a guest or anything. He was just trying to be like Joe Blow, 
wrestling fan, but because he was known, he was basically like, hey, this guy, he must be supporting Impact, even though he's part of the WWE. So that's what the big deal is. It's all about the perception. And, you know, well, unfortunately, uh, it, it, things happen. And that's the hard thing because it's happened with AEW wrestlers appearing on NXT, Britt Baker being Adam Cole's girlfriend. And it happened on the AEW show, one of the pay-per-views, one of the early ones as well. And it's not as much of a big deal. You want and everything but if who, who is it Cedric Alexander is married to Big Swole or someone like that in AEW he is in yeah, I cannot remember uh, that, was, I, I that, that, was, it, that was one of those cross relationships I would forgotten about and he, you want to go support your spouse your significant other and on the flip side, you just don't want to be on recorded on television, right? And that's what um, that's what had happened with uh, the Highlander. He was actually recorded as part of their audience, and they were actually the commentators were talking about him, and he was kind of looking around like, "Ah, oh, crap," yeah, because he didn't think they would notice him because he was trying to be as about as incognito as what he. Of course, somebody recognized him, and you know that was it for him. But from a from an industry standpoint, I wouldn't have an issue with it if you were trying to build the business as a whole, where it's not just your business, it's the entire business, whereas Vince McMahon doesn't like competition. We know that from what he did when he bought or – he knocked all the other territories out of business, with, including Florida, because, well, Florida got sucked in with WCW or Mid-Atlantic or, or Crockett at the yeah, time. Yeah, they got bought out by Crockett at the end. Right. They got sucked into that. Because, I mean, and it, that kind of made sense since Dusty Rhodes was such a big piece of it anyway. And um, when McMahon, when he went nationwide, he did not want any competition. He wanted to be the only game in town. And this is one of the things that being a businessman, he also needs to understand you cannot legally have a monopoly. But since it's wrestling, apparently big big, big business regulators at our government just probably don't care. They're like, oh, it's just wrestling. But well, it's, but, it's not like there's not competition, right? But therefore, therefore, a brief moment, Vince McMahon was ninety nine percent of the wrestling game because WCW boom folded. How long was it before? Well, at the at the time, TNA, and what was the other one? Was it? The X- XWF, that other well, one that Hogan and some other ones were involved with, and it lasted not very long. 
well, XWF, what, 13 episodes, something like that? One was, it even, season. was it even that many? Yeah, because WWE sold a disc set of it, or Jimmy Hart did. That's they right, had, was involved. They had ROH and CZW was really big as far as the independents in Pennsylvania. And there's always going to be independent promotions. Right. But on the big scale, Vince won the battle. And that goes to why they say Eddie Graham killed himself. Bad business decisions and poor money management. Well, Eddie Graham, he he killed himself in 1985. And, yeah, he had the the personal and business problems um, because he he couldn't compete with McMahon. There's no way. Even though Eddie Graham, I think, if anything, Vince McMahon should have brought Eddie Graham into the fold because Eddie Graham also – if you'd have put Eddie Graham and Pat Patterson together, can you imagine – what they could have come up with. Oh, it would have been incredible. Yeah. And and then you had Mike Graham, Eddie's son. I don't know how much Mike Graham got involved. I mean, I do know he was involved. He was part of the the booking in WCW later on. But just from listening to some of the other podcasts, he was not his dad. You know, which you couldn't expect him to be. I mean, Eddie Graham, you know, was on a different level from everybody else. You couldn't expect anybody to even try to match that. If they could, hey, awesome. But that's setting the standards extremely high, almost too high. But I think there, unfortunately, in that family, there may have also been some some underlying issues because later on down the road, my Graham's son committed suicide, and then not too long after that, Mike Graham himself committed suicide. Right. So, with the right, and now it may be only three of them, and I don't think Mike Graham's son was even involved with wrestling, but it was three generations, whereas the Von Erics, it was one generation, but there was four of them who committed suicide, and then, of course, one who died in a very freak um, well, hold on. I say four committed suicide. No, it was Carrie, Mike, and Chris who committed suicide. David died of um, his intestines had inflamed. Uh, that's the official story, uh, and that's what I'd rather go David. with. And then Jackie, uh, he died in the freak accident where he was electrocuted, fell into the right. snow, and ended up drowning in the snow. But, but by, by mid eighties, it you were either going to go national with the advent of cable, or you were going to run out of business. Because if you weren't getting that big TV money, in addition to your shows, to your events, you weren't going to financially stay afloat, and you couldn't pay what Vince or Crockett could pay the top stars. And maybe and that maybe, happened everywhere. 
Well, maybe Eddie Graham. I mean, he may he may have looked at himself as a failure. I wouldn't have. It was just he ran a successful business. Problem was somebody also ran a successful business whose company was just bigger. And Eddie Graham wasn't trying to go national. He wanted to keep the, the territory system, which I mean, this is actually something we can put down as a debate for another show. Uh, the pros and cons of the territories. The Eddie Graham preferred the territory system, whereas Vince McMahon preferred to be it. And so Florida wrestling, the original championship wrestling from Florida, where you had on uh, all these names we mentioned before, plus like a Jim Neidhart, plus like a Barry Darso, who was known as Crusher Darso, and he and Jim Neidhart were partners. And they were Russian sympathizers. Of course, Crusher Darso became Crusher Khrushchev uh, later on. But you also had Ron Bass and Black Bart, Bart yeah, the Long Riders, who came up to Mid-Atlantic from Florida. And you had like Jesse Barr, who I mentioned before. And you had the Briscoe Brothers, who Jerry still owns a body shop down there. So, I mean, he, made, he really made it his home. Um, Billy Jack Haynes had gone down there, and, of course, the funny thing was, he, he took the feud that he had with the Rick Rude, and they just went back down to Florida and just picked up you know, where they had been like the, the, the day before. I don't think Billy Jack Haynes lasted there too long, though. I think this was, may have been right at the time that I think his dad had some health issues, so he actually went back up to Oregon for a while. Yeah. So, yeah, Billy Jack Haynes, he's another one. He's a, kind of a strange one. You, know, you put him and and Marty Janetti and you know some of them that they've had some legal issues that have just have people scratching their heads. But anyway, but you have Butch Reed who's over down in Florida. We know that big big time. That's where Scott Hall started as well before he went to the AWA. At Magnum's Hall. Um, I honestly, I remember seeing Scott Hall, and I'm not saying he didn't start in Florida. He probably, he probably did because he's from Florida. I remember seeing Scott Hall in Mid Atlantic as part of the American Starship with Dan Spivey. So Scott Hall was Starship Coyote. Dan Spivey was Starship Eagle. And they came to the ring to "Let's Go Crazy" by Prince. Um, and they, they came in the ring, and then they tore off their T-shirts, unlike somebody else at the time. And this is around 1984, and they were kind of big and muscular. And then they got beat by the Zambui Express, who are another team that was also down in Florida. And then Dan Spivey, he actually came back, as, and he was just Starship Eagle. And that's when Scott Hall had gone – I think he went down to Florida, but then I knew he definitely showed up in the AWA because they were trying to call him Magnum Scott Hall. You're right. But he was teaming up with Kurt Hennig. And I don't remember how long he stayed in the AWA, but I know the next time I remember seeing him, just a few years later, and I didn't even realize it was him until much later, was when he was the Diamond Stud. 
There you go. Yep, he was a diamond stud. He was part of the diamond exchange with Diamond Dallas Page. And his finishing move, I think it was called the Diamond Death Drop, which yep. later <laughs> on. Huh? That's actually correct. Yep. And later on, it was uh, changed, of course, to the Razor's Edge when he became Razor Ramon. But, but yeah, but he really, uh, he was another one that could have cut his teeth down in Florida. Like Mike Rotunda, he's another one we haven't mentioned yet. And Mike Rotunda, of course, raised his two boys down in Florida. And I want to say that his oldest, uh, named Wyndham, Wyndham Rotunda, was he part, he was, was he state level wrestling champion? Pretty close to it. Uh close i i thought uh well cody won in georgia right roads georgia Um, what's surprising with the florida wrestling as we talk about it they've only had three wrestlemanias in florida even though florida has a deep wrestling history Orlando, Miami, and Tampa. That's it. They never had one in Jacksonville. No, not not. No, they haven't. That's right, because it took them forever to even have. This is actually surprising me. This is this surprises me that they took so long to even have a Super Bowl in Jacksonville. Uh, even uh, even took them so long to even have a football team in Jacksonville because the biggest city in Florida is Jacksonville. You would most people think it's Miami, which for good reason they think it's Miami, but no, it's actually Jacksonville. And Jacksonville, especially now, is a big wrestling town. Now, do you think they would have a WrestleMania in Jacksonville because no. that is <laughs> exactly no. the home stadium is owned by the cons. Ah, and, they, so they, there's no way they'd be able to. And, and that's the thing. Um, the epicenter of wrestling, you can argue, is Florida. Jacksonville being the home of AEW, because they're recording out of their stadium for all their AEW shows. And I'm pretty sure the last two pay-per-views were out of Jacksonville as well. And that's where their home base is. And who's putting on the better show right now? What, comparing AEW to NXT or just AEW to all of WWE? Uh, All of them. Uh, All the shows. I would have to give the nod to AEW because, well, and that's just a personal preference also, because on Wednesdays you got to make a choice which one you're going to watch live and because you can't watch them both unless you have two TVs. And I would actually prefer AEW uh, over NXT when I watch them live. Although I will, just to kind of depending on what's going on, I have actually switched over. Um because when Pat Patterson died, I because I knew they were going to do a tribute on NXT, so I went ahead and turned it to that. So, um, 
But when when it comes to doing the pay-per-views, if they were to try to do one there, and you, like you said, the cons are not going to allow Vince McMahon to use their stadium to push the competing product, the competing company. And so now they're, I'm not going to say they're stuck, but they now have Orlando and they have Miami and they have Tampa. Which year did they do it in Tampa? Let's look this up. By the way, um, Wyndham Rotunda, also known as Bray Wyatt, he won a state wrestling championship at 275 pounds in 2005. Uh, Tampa was 24. Was it 24? Okay. Because that's the Ric Flair retirement match. I thought that was in Miami. Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty sure 24. Uh, 24 is Orlando. <laughs> We're both wrong. <laughs> Close enough. Orlando <laughs> 60 minutes apart. Yeah, because I know Orlando is close enough to Tampa that I know people who used to or still live in um, Tampa who actually make a, a they make going up to Disney, like Disney Springs, you know, the shopping area uh, here at Disney, they make it a, a day trip. I did Christmas shopping at Disney Springs one year. And spent four hundred dollars in the Under Armour store. And you only probably bought like three items because they're very, very proud of their stuff. Ah, uh, I think we because I I ran through a pair of shoes at Disney and okay. actually bust, busted the soles out of my shoes walking through Disney really? for a week. Really? <laughs> so I had to buy shoes. Oh, well, my wife, she actually bought um, an extra pair of shoes before we got down here, and she's switching back and forth between those shoes. So, yeah, um, being wrestling fans, if WWE ever does a Hall of Fame, an actual Hall of Fame, do you put it in Florida? Or do you put it in Stanford, Connecticut? You put it in Florida. If you want uh, people I, to go to it, you'll put it in Florida. Oh, uh, by the way, we were both wrong. They have not had a WrestleMania at Tampa. That's However, the next one. That's the next one. It is scheduled to be the next one, but we will have to see because hopefully. The pandemic will be over by then, over by March 28th, because I believe the past one, 36, was scheduled to be Boston. Was it, was it originally supposed to be in Boston? Yeah. Uh, SummerSlam was Boston. Oh, no, this one, okay, it was supposed to be in Tampa. Okay. So they're just kind of pushing it back. Okay, 36 was supposed to be in Tampa. Now 37 is scheduled to be in Tampa. Um, so the next WrestleMania that's that's post-pandemic is looks like it's going to be in Tampa. So, okay. And what little I saw Tampa, actually I, I didn't mind because, remember Allen? 
Yeah. That's the man at the wedding? Yeah, he was actually stationed uh, at McDill down in Tampa. And when I was going back to Pensacola for the intermediate class for my job, uh, one weekend we actually drove down and stayed with him and his family. We went to Bush Gardens and then drove back up. And driving from Pensacola to Tampa, even though they're all in the same state, it was still like a 12-hour drive because you had to drive around the entire Gulf Coast. Anyway, and speaking of Pensacola, that's actually another area which we hadn't mentioned yet. Pensacola was part of the, I think it was the Continental Wrestling Territory, which was ran by the Fullers. And Arn Anderson, he mentions that it was still his favorite, favorite territory that he ever wrestled in because he said, you know, what, what, what was there to hate about it? He said he was home almost every night. And they traveled, you know, um, good distances at times. But he said, but they, he was home almost every night and on the beach during the day. And that's also where he met his wife. Uh, so, the Rockers also did time in Continental. After I forgot about they that. Were fired, they were fired from WWF the first time. And yeah, but, uh, that's when they reestablished their their careers while they were waiting for Vince to change his mind. When they were in the WWF the first time, were they known as the Rockers or were they still calling themselves the Midnight Rockers? They were the Rockers. Okay. When they left there, when they went to Continental and other parts, if they had went anywhere else before they went back to uh, work for Vince, did they call themselves the Midnight Rockers then? Yes. Okay. And I always liked that name because they said they big fans of Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express with the concerts of Midnight Rockers. I thought it was a cool name. But anywho. It, it was something different. Um, CWF Wrestling, didn't they form part of Pro Wrestling USA when, what was it, uh, WCCW, AWA, and all them tried to compete with Vince. That was their their last big hurrah. You know what? Let me look. And I didn't remember World Class being part of that. Um, well, it was Kerry that wrestled Jerry Lawler at Super Clash Three. Was that a Pro Wrestling USA event? Wow, I guess so. And I, I remember that because Jerry Lawler used a fork during the match, and Gary Von Erich bled like a stuffed pig on ESPN. Uh, let's see. It was Jerry Lawler, Jerry Jarrett, because Jerry Jarrett apparently was running Continental at the time, Vern Gagne, and Ole Anderson. It was still Georgia Championship Wrestling, and Jim Crockett. And... Yeah, so, yeah, Florida actually wasn't involved in that unless they were already sucked into Crockett. Uh, started in 84, went to Funk in 1985. Okay, so it didn't last very long. And I do remember what you were saying about Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich. Because somebody posted, I think it was on Twitter, they were actually posting, so it's either on Twitter or maybe on Facebook uh, within the past couple of days. 
Oh, yeah, the Super Clash. That's right. Because that has a match that I would love to find the footage of this one. Rick Martell and Stan Hansen for the AWA uh, world title. And it, that, it started out in the ring, but then the fight, I mean, it just went out of the ring. And I had never seen Rick Martell like that because Rick Martell was not known as a brawler, but he, he and Stan Hansen, they were brawling all over the place. And then Stan Hansen beat him not too long after that for the world title. But, yeah, Florida actually was not a, a part of that. Yeah, even though I think it, it would have helped. No, were, but, but yeah. Continental, Continental was. Continental was. The organization, Florida, Florida Championship Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, CWF, they weren't part of it, but yeah, Continental was. So I guess you would have a piece of the uh, the panhandle from Florida. They they would have been involved. It only lasted for a year anyway. And I think, honestly, what may have, may have hurt them was – they weren't being advertising much. I, they may have been on like AWA. They may have been on, on Continental, maybe even Memphis. I don't remember ever seeing an advertisement for them on Crockett. Even though yeah. one of yeah one of the match shows was headlined Ric Flair Magnum TA, and Crockett never so it almost seems like Crockett. Yeah, yeah, we'll help you out, but they didn't really care as much. You can't get people to come see something if you don't promote it. You know, period. Um, now, I remember when World Class did merge with uh, Continental, and then they formed USWA, and because then now they were going to try to be the they're trying to be heavier competition with WCW and. Uh, the WWF, because that's when uh, World Class pulled out of the NWA because they thought, well, we're going to be bigger than all of them, and, well, yeah, that didn't work out. But anyway, um, so, but Florida's impact on wrestling, just as far as states, uh, Probably number one in the nation. I would say so, even though I would also say it is overlooked quite a bit, um, and that's criminally so, because Florida's contribution to wrestling with the, the number of talent that came through the territory, and right now it is the epicenter because the, of wrestling because the two major players are both running out of Florida, one in Jacksonville, one temple, you know, in Orlando or Tampa. Um, we're, we're still kind of up in the air by that. We don't know which, where exactly they are, but it's, it's one or the other. And I think this man, if they were, well, if they weren't as stubborn, I think it would behoove them to move their operations, the entire operations down to Florida because it would not cost them as much to run it like it is out of Connecticut. I think just, the, the labor laws in Connecticut that Vince is planted up there for a reason. You think? I That's why he's remained up there. I would guess that the labor laws in Connecticut, especially 
in Stanford are probably pretty close to what they are just across the river there in New York City. Because whenever he gets a lawsuit transferred to Connecticut court, they get it thrown out. Uh, well, I think that may be because of Vince's influence in Connecticut because something about being a billionaire, or at least a one-time billionaire, you know, and his wife being involved in the political scene in Connecticut, maybe that's what it is, and maybe it's just the influence. But it wouldn't surprise me if they did um, pull, pull up chalks and move everything down to Orlando. To me, it would make – everything is – right now here in Orlando anyway, as far as their operations, as far as the, the day-to-day um, actual talent, the performance center, the training, and the actual pr- the live product are all here in Orlando. So they might as well. But I think another reason why they would put the Hall of Fame in Orlando is probably the same reason why the World Golf Hall of Fame got moved from Pinehurst, North Carolina, the birthplace of me and the birthplace of Vince McMahon, coincidentally <laughs> enough. Yeah. Why? But the World Golf Hall of Fame actually got moved to St. Augustine, Florida, for tourism. Because Pinehurst, as beautiful as the town is where it is, and I don't know if, if you ever get a chance to actually go check it out, even if you're not a golf fan, uh, Pinehurst really is a beautiful town. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, that's, that area is, is where I'm originally from. It just is. You know, you look at all the, the pine trees and the way everything's set up. I mean, it's, a, um, it's very peaceful. Well, it's growing. It still is growing. I remember when the town was like 3,000 people, and now it's like, like 12,000 or you know, 14,000. But it's a beautiful town. But during the wintertime, it still gets pretty cold. And people usually don't go out and play golf when it's 35 degrees outside. No. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that about North Carolina. It, it does still get cold. It does snow a little bit every year. Uh, whereas in St. Augustine, Florida, you have tourism all year round. And people, the, the tourists were already going to Florida anyway. So they moved the World Golf Hall of Fame there around 1994, I believe. So it would it kind of makes sense if they were to put the WWF Hall of Fame here in Orlando because Orlando is a big tour spot anyway because you have Disney, you have Universal, you have a SeaWorld. Um, you have what's it called, Bible Land, I believe is another one. But you have so many attractions um, that people are flocking down here anyway. And if they're going to come here to watch NXT wrestling and they're going to perform a center, you might as well have the Hall of Fame here too. Right. And that way, and that way have a physical Hall of Fame. And then they would actually look and go, we really have that person in the Hall of Fame? Really? And, it, you know, when you actually see it, you know, they, they would probably hopefully – think twice about some of the ones they're putting in. And you would have a venue for the induction ceremony every year. It would not have to be just at WrestleMania. Make sense? 
Yeah. You know, definitely as far as the building goes, whether it's attached to NXT or not, sure, they want to do a induction ceremony at a dedicated building. I think they like selling those extra tickets, making it part of WrestleMania weekend. Right. And, and it's it's extra money as long as uh, Mr. T doesn't keep everyone awake talking about his mama. <laughs> what? 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 But, yeah, there, there's uh, definitely opportunity. We, we could have discussed the greatest matches from Florida, the greatest wrestlers from Florida. It would have been an interesting discussion whether it was Dusty Rhodes or Hulk Hogan being Florida-influenced when that comes up. But definitely a, a lot of Florida memories as a wrestling fan. Oh, uh, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, maybe one day if some kind of semblance of the territories come back, maybe the Florida territory can be somewhat resurrected because you have such a a great wrestling history in this state, and it's still growing because of NXT and because of AEW and because with Impact. uh, Where are Impact located now? Uh, Impact is out of Canada. So they they run shows, and they run like six shows. They run... I I was not aware of that television tapings in uh, they, I know they've done New York and a few other places but when they I think it's Anthem Media that bought out Impact so and Ring of Honor are out of you remember Ring of Honor is mostly Pennsylvania Okay. They actually run, they do a lot of television tapings in Baltimore right now. Have you gotten a chance to see them? No, because well, I, I work on Fridays. It's uh, when they start their television taping to get home or to get from where I work to where they tape. It's just next to impossible. Um, I'm looking, 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 and I cannot tell. The Wikipedia does not list where they're headquartered. Oh, I'm not a portal right now. So, um, well, Kyle, I know that you told me earlier that you wouldn't be able to uh, stay on the entire time. Uh, obviously, you know, your health and your family come first. So, um, so I think we should go ahead and just wrap this up. And I don't even remember what we had on the agenda for next week. It's been such a crazy week, and I know that your schedule has also been kind of um, thrown upside down no, as I think, well. I think we were still deciding because you're still going to be on vacation. Well, so. I'll be on, I'll be I'll be flying back the day before. Uh, so 
Uh, let me see. Yeah, you're right. We, we didn't have anything set up for the 21st. So you know what? But Next a great week. event to discuss is the one I got reported AWOL for. And that is... <laughs> you have never, ever told me about this, so... Go for it. What is it? We will put it on the agenda for next week. That is the Starcade where Goldberg uh, wrestled Kevin Nash. And that okay. should have been Stark 98. Well, you and I, you must have just started uh, work. I had been on the floor for two months. One of the first things we did is uh, during all our in-processing, I had some friends who were into wrestling, and he and his wife said, we're going to D.C., we're going to sightsee, and then we're going to go to Starcade. Do you want to go? And I go, yeah, but I have to put in for leave. So I put in for leave for it, and I was off we bought my ticket. I was down in D.C. I get back, and I've got 17 calls that I missed work because the they lost my leave form. Oh, and so God, I was going to be off that day. How did I not know about this until now? This is like the best story ever. Okay, so we will cover Starcade 98 in honor of Kyle being AWOL. And just to set it straight, where we worked, AWOL wasn't a 24-hour thing. AWOL was a two-hour thing. So, uh, well, remember, if you were if you were 20 minutes late, they started calling. Yeah, they started calling after two hours. And they called it, the FBI. So I had all sorts of visits, knocks on the door. I had notes put under the door. They checked all the girls in the dorms. I shouldn't say that too loud. Um. <laughs> the girl eating at the time, they asked her where I was. Yeah. All right. So, on that note, Kyle, uh, before we get off, I do want to give another shout out to Jordan Garber for helping us out. I know his schedule is going to be his uh, work schedule outside of wrestling just changed recently. So, it's going to be hard to get him back on our podcast just because of our broadcast time. Uh, but we are certainly going to try, even if we have to run a special episode on the weekend. But I will try to coordinate that with Jordan, Jordan and with Jordan. And I do want to give another shout out to Mean Selena Dean of the Northern Wrestling Federation um, with her GoFundMe, you know, so she can raise money for her mother's medical bills, trying to uh, uh, fight breast, uh, yeah, trying to fight breast cancer. The worthy cause, a lot more worthy than how I'm speaking. Because I'm having a hard time speaking right now because this week has just been wearing me out. But if you need the the link for that, uh, so you can donate money and please donate however much you can give. Anything is appreciated. So just let us know. We provide you the link. So, Kyle, do you have any any last words for anybody? No. Stay, keep your masks on. Stay Corona free. It's not fun. Exactly, my friend, and. I hope you stay healthy and you and your family stay healthy, and I will talk to you next week. All right, man. Enjoy your trip. All right, dude. See you. Bye.